Let us pray. Oh, my Lord, won't you send your power down that our ears may hear what we need to hear, our minds learn what we need to learn, our hearts feel what we need to feel, and our souls be lifted up by your word. Amen. Please be seated. Before I get into the meat of my sermon, I would like to exercise the prerogative to thank all of you once again for your patience, flexibility, and encouragement yesterday when our first MLK speaker of this year was canceled. I received so many lovely messages of support from everybody after my cancellation email went out and everybody was coming up to me and trying to make sure that I was doing all right. I really did appreciate it. And because we sent the cancellation notice out to the alumni email list, I even received a message from a dear friend of mine in Alabama encouraging me. So, and I'm sure this was uh, not God's purpose in all of this, I wound up feeling pretty popular <laughs> and, and pretty well-loved. And I even thought to myself, at one point, I need to cancel programs more often if this, is, <laughs> if this is what I get to feel like. I would like to also take the prerogative to highlight that God willing, and I'm a little nervous after what happened yesterday, we will hear next week from other MLK speakers. Dr. Pamela Leitze will be here next Wednesday evening in Key Hall at 7 p.m. And next Thursday at the Community Eucharist, we will be uh, blessed with the Reverend Glenna Huber, who will be the guest presider. She's the rector of the Church of the Epiphany in D.C. And then uh, the Reverend Dr. Howard John Wesley, pastor of Alfred Street Baptist Church, will be preaching, so you don't want to miss that. So, as we, with the rest of the world, commemorated the assassination of Dr. King, it has happened once again. Something that happens to me almost every year around the anniversary of Martin Luther King's death. Somewhere along the way, I will hear a recording of those famous words that Dr. King spoke the night before he was killed, and virtually without fail, it happens. Tears come into my eyes when at the end of that speech, after discussing the threats to his life, he says, like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place, but I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. So I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Now, what is it exactly 
about those words that gets me all choked up, and perhaps some of you too. Well, you might say, for one thing, they are especially poignant because they were spoken the night before Dr. King was gunned down. Yes, that is true, but I think there is more to it than that. Well, for another thing, there is that statement, I may not get there with you, but we as a people will get to the promised land. When he says that, I think of all my ancestors, all of our forefathers and foremothers in the black community. I'm so proud of my people who lived lives of profound dignity and faith in a country that told them they were inferior, in a country that told them that they would never amount to anything, and a country, as we would have seen in Dr. Pilgrim's presentation last night, a country that did everything in its power to make that inferiority a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yes, all that is true too and poignant, but I think there is still more to my tears than that. You see, these are not primarily tears of sadness or of tragedy, but rather tears of joy. For what I hear above all in that mountaintop oration is a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ rejoicing in the ultimate source of his authority and courage, not taking pride in his own brilliance and eloquence and political acumen, not touting his own power and piety, as Peter says in today's lesson. No, this was someone who knew he had met the risen Lord, perhaps on the road to Montgomery or on the road to Birmingham. And he understood what it meant to bear witness through his own actions to God's victory over sin, evil, and death. It was his intimate familiarity with the power of Almighty God that allowed him to speak with such peace about his own demise, even as the threats of death were swirling all about him. Death was not theoretical at that point. It was his intimate familiarity with the power of Almighty God that allowed him to accept so willingly and humbly that he would probably never see the fruit of the years of his labor and sacrifice and risk. And yes, yes, this brings tears to my eyes when I think about how God equips God's servants to face such insurmountable odds with utter dignity, to do what seems impossible, to make, in the African-American idiom, a way out of no way. The life and ministry of Martin Luther King bears mighty witness to what is possible with the faith that is through Jesus, the author of life. And this is precisely where we meet the disciples tonight in the Gospel of Luke and in the Acts of the Apostles. Getting acquainted with this new reality of who Jesus is and then bearing witness to the power of God in Christ. Just to refresh your memory, before we get to today's lesson, Luke has been telling us about Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women having an encounter with two angels at the empty tomb who proclaim the risen Lord. Then we have, of course, Cleopas and another follower of Jesus meeting Jesus himself on the road to Emmaus. 
They don't recognize him until after he has helped them to understand what the scriptures have said about him and has sat down to table with them and broken and blessed the bread. We then come to today's lesson in which Jesus makes another appearance to his followers who, as we saw, are quite bewildered at first. So suffice it to say, Jesus and his representatives have been rather busy trying to help his forlorn followers grasp his true significance. They had been looking and hoping for a mighty liberator who would be the one to redeem Israel as a nation. And so it is understandable that they would need a little time to wrap their hearts and minds around what they got. That is, a crucified and risen Lord with a penchant for bouncing all around Jerusalem and scaring them half to death. (laughs) But you see, the understanding that gradually emerges from these counters, from these encounters, from this opening of the scriptures, is not an end in and of itself. For Jesus says to them, thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Now, a witness is one who sees or experiences something firsthand, but a witness is also one who testifies to what has been seen or experienced. It sounds kind of like a simple descriptive statement when Jesus says, you are witnesses of these things, but he's actually giving his disciples a charge to keep. They have seen him, they have gotten reacquainted with him in the breaking of the bread and the interpretation of scripture, and now they are to testify about him, to proclaim him, and to act in the world on the basis of his power and authority. This is why Luke tells us in the Acts of the Apostles about the mighty deeds that the disciples have done in the name of Jesus. Wardrobe malfunction. Right? You will recall that just before tonight's reading from Acts, Peter and John have healed a beggar at the gate of the temple called the Beautiful Gate someone who had never been able to walk, who had been dependent on the mercy of strangers. Now I know that the King James Version has its issues as a translation, but those brothers had a way of turning a phrase, and I must confess that I love its memorable phrasing of Peter's statement to that man. Peter says, silver and gold have I none but such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And so, my friends, Scripture, as well as the life of Martin Luther King Jr., presents us with an urgent question. What are we called to do in the name of Jesus? How are we called to be his witnesses in a society and indeed a world that is literally dying to know that evil, death, fear, that's a big one right now, and destruction 
do not get the last word. Now, I know, I know what you are thinking. You're thinking this does not seem like a very traditionally Episcopalian thing to do, to go out here and start talking about in the name of Jesus this and in the name of Jesus that. But somebody needs to be out here with these children who marched the other week, saying repeatedly to our elected officials, money and influence have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, let's solve the problem of gun violence. Somebody needs to be out here saying, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, enough is enough. Let's stop the denigration and devaluation of women and open everyone's eyes to see them as the equal partners that they are. Somebody needs to be saying, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, let's stop, killing, stop the killing of unarmed black men and start seeing every life as a precious gift from God. No matter the color, no matter the gender, no matter the age, no matter whom they love, no matter how much money they have or more to the point don't have in their bank account. Maybe it's not so strange after all that Easter fell on April Fool's Day this year. <laughs> you know, I love it when St. Paul starts talking about foolishness. Don't you love it when he starts talking about foolishness? If he were around today, I think I could hear old Paul saying, what seems like foolishness to many is exactly what the world is just waiting for us to proclaim. Don't go look that one up, I, that was my paraphrase. So you won't, <laughs> you won't find that exactly that way. As Dean Markham said last night, the tomb is empty. And as it might be said again in the African American idiom, the tomb been empty. It's time for us to proclaim the message. And even if we feel we are not ready to be quite so vocal right from the beginning about the name, about the author of life, as Peter puts it, that's okay. Let's just show up in those places where God calls us to be a presence of love, peace, peace compassion, of justice, of truth-telling, of holy agitation. And I say to you, when you show up, get ready for Jesus to show up there with you. There's a gospel song, says Jesus says, if you go, I'll go with you. All you gotta do is open up your mouth and I'll speak for you. Because the beauty of this thing is that God equips God's servants, guiding our words and our actions to help us do what we think we cannot do, to do what might seem impossible at first, to do the things that it would never have occurred to us to do in the first place. Do you think that Peter and John spent their childhoods dreaming and planning to go out and heal the lame and the sick in the name of a guy who died on a cross? Maybe, but I doubt it. Do you think that Martin Luther King Jr. always felt that he would become the Martin Luther King Jr.? Maybe, but I doubt it. 
He probably thought he had a noteworthy and significant career ahead of him, but I suspect the magnitude of his ministry and of the movement of which he was the best known prophet went well beyond what he had initially imagined. So people, get ready. Get ready to be acquainted with Jesus over and over again in the hearing and interpretation of scripture, in the breaking of bread, and on the road to Emmaus. Get ready to have him sometimes terrify us and startle us. And then get ready to let the whole world see and know the foolish Easter reality that in God's plan, things which were cast down are being raised up, and things which had grown old are being made new, and that all things are being brought to their perfection by him through whom all things were made. At our best, with God's help, we are indeed witnesses of these things. In the holy name of God, creator, redeemer, and Holy Spirit, amen. <laughs>